Hello and welcome to Happy Place with me, Fern Cotton. This is the space where we unpack the stuff we're told we need in order to be happy and decide for ourselves what really makes us tick. That's exactly what today's guest has spent many years doing. It's Ella Mills. Wellness came in out of nowhere, exploded and it exploded in like a sea of spirulina and chlorella and crystals and and there's nothing wrong I have no problem with any of this and I think it's really interesting to explore but I do think that there's this sense that like wellness means saunas and crystals and moon rituals and things that just are so so not tangible to someone who's busy working busy with family life whatever your commitments are and the idea of sitting down and sprouting quinoa for 12 hours is just it's never gonna happen ella has been known as deliciously ella for almost a decade her personal brand is synonymous with wellness but it was really interesting to learn how her relationship with that world has changed as she's grown We also chat about the myth of women having it all. Spoiler alert, we probably can't. And that is A-OK. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, then. Here's the show. How are you? I am good. It's one of those days where working at home just is like, it's such chaos. It's extraordinary. We've got so right. many stairs in our house and two such tiny children and trying to figure out when, who's napping when and then who's crying when and who needs what then while you're trying to work. It's just one of those days where my mind can't quite compute all the things it needs to do. It's madness. I felt like I was going to have a heart attack earlier. I've got, um, I can, well, I can see one child at the moment leaning over the garden wall into the, like, what is she even doing? Like, you know, my husband's nowhere to be seen, bless him, but he also has three other kids because my stepson's back from uni and my stepdaughter's with us. So we're basically running a sort of restaurant slash youth club um, whilst trying to do, I mean, it's mad, isn't it? I mean, how are you? coping with everything because obviously like the last 12 or so months have just been bonkers and you know you've grown your business in areas and then it's had to reduce in other areas but you're absolutely just like going for it and it's all just beautifully unfurling but it is so much work and you've got two tiny kids how are you on the scale of sort of overwhelm because I'm pretty up there at the moment I feel pretty overwhelmed how, how are you coping depends on the day I'd say I feel like I've oscillated a lot over the last 12 months of like 12 out of 10 overwhelmed and then really enjoying parts of it. I think I felt about six weeks ago, I felt I hit my kind of threshold where I was just so kind of itchy to get out of the house. May, who's my younger daughter, who is about to be six months, she refuses a bottle and she just feeds all day long. 
And so trying to negotiate that around work is really challenging. And then obviously you can't get any space because even in that hour that she doesn't want to feed, there's also nowhere to go. And I think times that can feel quite kind of claustrophobic. And actually I decided to take, she also wakes up normally around five, tends to go back to sleep, but I don't tend to go back to sleep. So no, impossible. I decided to start using that time and I started meditating. And today actually marks 35 days in a row. And I think without that, I'd give myself like a 14 out of 10 by now. But I feel like it's taken me down to a kind of six out of 10, which I am really thrilled about. But yeah, the year has been, it just nuts. Some days working at home feels like, the biggest blessing ever because I've ended up having so much time with the girls that I never thought I would. And then other days navigating a business from your living room is really interesting. Yeah, like madness. I I completely resonate with everything you've just said there. You know, my kids still wake in the night, although I didn't think that would be happening. But usually my son wakes at one point. And it is so hard to get back to sleep and it's hard not to then panic about what's coming up the next day and if you're going to be useless because you haven't slept, etc. And I'm trying to really kind of find a bit of peace with that. How do you react when you're overwhelmed? Because if I'm really honest with you, I'm just a bit of a bitch to my husband. Like it straight up manifests as me being a cow. Um, <laughs> what happens when you're when you're in that state in that moment? I think I go quite irrational. I'd say that's my kind yeah. of, and I definitely start kind of massively throwing myself into the future. And you yes. start thinking, okay, you know, well, this is going to be a disaster and that's going to be a disaster. And oh my goodness, how am I going to figure out the logistics of this day, which is actually two months from now? And oh my gosh, this week's looking really, really busy. And you just start kind of getting into the weeds of things, which will probably all be completely fine, but everything just seems dramatically more challenging. And I feel like I'm much less able to kind of take a step back and just be a bit rational about it. And as a result, I just can get very overwhelmed, I think is probably the best way to describe it. And I just think, oh, my God, I can't do it. It's it's like proper catastrophizing, isn't it? You go from something that probably will be absolutely fine, you know, as you said, in a few months time, becoming this like monstrous thing in the future. I do it all the time. And. I think the only way that I found to get out of that is like, oh, a really quick way for me, maybe it's a cheat or a shortcut, is just texting a mate that I know will say something really grounding, like instantly help me snap out of it. Do you have any sort of go-tos that you know will just help calm your nervous system, get your head back in a good place? Do you know what? It's two things. I think Matt, who's my husband and also my business partner, so it's an interesting dynamic, but he really has kind of, figured it out with me he can see the second that that's happening and he's really good at the kind of tough love bringing you back down and just saying you kind of you're being insane Mm -hmm. like remember what you're thinking about kind of and that is oh my god it helps me so much I have to say I found it really difficult to start with because they're just holding such a mirror up to yourself and when you're feeling overwhelmed or anxious or really stressed and especially I think when it comes to the kids and I'm like you don't understand you don't know what breastfeeding is like he's like yeah I know <laughs> get that part and I I fa- yeah I found it quite difficult to start with because he is not like that he is just so much more mellow and doesn't it takes so much for him to react it's like a once a year event versus me which wow yeah it's extraordinary his level of balance is just mind-blowing and it definitely again holds a mirror up to me not being anywhere near as balanced certainly and I definitely need a lot more tools in my kind of toolkit to stay 
sane and happy, which he doesn't. He just doesn't have to work anywhere near as hard today. I feel like it's a much more innate state in him. But he is very good at holding that mirror up. And I found it quite triggering and challenging at the beginning of our relationship. And I found it really hard not to actually take it personally and feel like, oh, you're kind of morally superior to some extent. And actually... (laughs) Yes. This is me and my husband. I get irritated at Jesse like... Why are you so calm? This yeah. is the time to panic. Why are you not panicking? Like, I'm irritated by his calmness in those bad moments. But or like his positivity. Say, yeah, stop being so bloody happy. For God's sake, be miserable for once. I know, it's so funny, isn't it? And it does, because it does show, it shows, you know, it brings up all of that stuff that you don't like about yourself. It's really hard, but but probably a really good thing to have that, because I need someone that balances me out, because I can be hyper I can catastrophize I can just go from naught to 60 in two seconds I'm all over the shop like you I I mean I need loads of tools I need all the tools available to just get through regular stuff whereas I think Jesse is probably much more resilient than I am what what's the working dynamic like because you know that's something I've not experienced obviously you know for most of us that are in either partnerships or we live with flatmates whatever we have been in each other's pockets for the last 12 months as things start to now obviously ease off but you know it's been mega mega intense and we've all found bits of that really tricky but on top of that you're then having to have a work discussion there's a dialogue that's about business outside of the home so is that suffocating you know how how do you find that dynamic at work I think we've really figured it out. So we've been working together since uh, towards the end of 2015. So kind of five and a half years now. And I think we're really finding our groove. And actually, I started the company. And then about three years later, we started working together. And that was really because I love the creative side of Delicious Cielo. I love the food. I love the wellness side everything that you kind of see, feel, touch. And he loves business. He loves spreadsheets. He loves operations. He loves supply chain management, financial control. Oh, Matt. Matt loves all the nerdy stuff. I love it. Loves all that stuff. And I hate it. He's so great at people management. This kind of calm state being a fantastic attribute of his, really helping that. And I think when we first started, because the business had my name in it, I felt this level of control And also it was such a big part of my identity. I mean, I had been basically one person before Delicious Ciela and then a fundamentally different person after it. It had changed everything that I was interested in. It had changed my career. It had introduced me to him, created a marriage, kids, family. There's pretty much nothing in my day now that isn't somehow connected to our company. And therefore that kind of like the ridiculously close personal tie, I think made me really quite controlling over it, to be totally honest. And then when I got pregnant with Skye, when she was born almost two years ago, I realised that something had to change. Like I, it just wasn't possible to work in the way that I was working before, which was really kind of really 24-7, 365 days a year. And we couldn't both do that. That just wasn't, it didn't feel like a reasonable task I needed to take a kind of more normal hours part of the company. And that meant giving up a lot of control because it meant that I just couldn't do everything that I was doing before. And then he really took a step forward and took on so much of what I was doing and then was clearly the leader. And it was a very interesting, I think, experience for me to learn to kind of really let go and let someone else take over and say, you're going to be so much better at this than I'm going to be. And that's okay. And not take it personally and not feel like you're rubbish by saying that they're better at this 
is not saying that you're a terrible person. And I think that's what it took me a bit of time to get my head around. Well, yeah, you know, I'm awful at delegating. And I, you know, I know loads of people are way better at all sorts of things than me. I, I don't profess to be any good at any sort of spreadsheet type activity at all. But I do try and like clutch hold of control, I think, to feel safe. And that goes for in and outside of work. You know, I can be really a micromanaging control freak with my kids. And that's ridiculous. My husband's got four kids. He did it all before I did. He knows exactly what he's doing. But it is that feeling of sort of safety. And also often I think, and this might be a more female problem, but I... I find it so hard to ask for help. I sort of feel like I don't deserve it, like I should be doing it all. And maybe that's also to do with this sort of notion that maybe came in the last sort of couple of decades that women can have it all, which some people might not like me saying this and, you know, be angry, whatever, but I don't think women can have it all. I don't think it's possible for anybody to have it all. You know, you can't be a hands-on mum and the best worker and the best friend and social. Like, it, you, you'll literally kill yourself from doing it. You will exhaust yourself. So I find it hard to admit that I can't do it all. I, I completely agree. And I was actually talking to my sister about this this week, which is that it's a really unfeminist thing to say and I totally agree it's a difficult conversation to have because it's not progressive at all but I certainly found all my opinions on that changed after I had kids because I just realized I was breastfeeding and I was the one who was recovering from birth and I was the one that was at home with her and as a result kind of needed to keep being at home that bit more and one of us couldn't be gone 14, 15 hours a day, six days a week. That just wasn't possible. One of us needed to be there a bit more and it made sense for me to do it. I guess like emotionally and biologically, it felt like it made sense for me to do it. And I did have this complete realisation that there was no space basically for anything else. There was my kids and my family who I love more than anything and there's work. And between that, that takes up 100% of my time. And having a social life or you know going out and doing things in the evenings for example like it's just not going to happen because if may wakes up at five then i'm a bad parent if i went to bed not i'm sorry i wouldn't want to frame that i personally am a bad parent if i went to bed late because i'm really tired and i don't do well on five hours sleep and so i'm just an infinitely worse parent i don't mean everyone else is worse parent if they go to bed at 12 everyone functions differently but i am a worse parent And if I've been out and then I haven't had time to like tidy the house and clean up my emails and sort stuff out, I am overwhelmed and I am stressed. And that's just a, it's something I've had to recognize in myself. But I think it's so important to acknowledge because I think the narrative that women can do everything and men for that matter as well. I know my husband, we were literally talking about it this morning that we both feel like we have no capacity basically for anything outside of our kids and work. And that that's just that. Yeah, and and it might be dangerous for, well, I think it is for all of us collectively to think that we can do and have everything because when we're not, then we feel like we're failing or we're lacking. And I don't really, at this point in my life, want to have it all. I have made the same decision as you, and for some people it will be different categories, but I think we've all got a sort of pie chart where we go, I can deal with this in my life and that in my life, and everything at this stage needs to go so you know in my 20s it was like work and having fun and partying and all that stuff and there was no time for anything else I didn't prioritize it and now very much like you it's work and you know my career and and the family you know for some 
parents, it might be family and socialising with friends. There's no wrong or right here. It's just what can you realistically fit in without being overwhelmed? And I think it probably is quite a healthy thing to strip life back and make it as, you know, as simple as you can. And I'm definitely not socialising anytime soon. I, I, I literally can't, I can't deal with it. And that might change down the line. But at the moment, it's it's, it's just not possible. Um, I want to talk to you. Oh, my God, there's so many things I want to talk to you about. My head's literally spinning with questions. But, you know, there's an obvious thing that I really want to talk about, which is, you know, how this all started for you. You know, your journey into wellness came from unwellness, came from a time when you were bed bound by a syndrome that you were diagnosed with in 2011 and I guess a time of utter confusion for you what was physically and mentally going on for you at that time god so much and it's extraordinary it was almost 10 years ago exactly um so I was at uni when it started and I was just like a normal uni student and then that summer really out of nowhere I got really sick and I spent about four months in and out of different hospitals having literally every test under the sun like every MRI ultrasound endoscopy colonoscopy I've had them all and no one could figure out what was wrong and about four months into this they diagnosed me with something called postural tachycardia syndrome and then a couple of other things like Marcel activation disorder and all these very long-winded terms And effectively, it was a malfunctioning of my autonomic nervous system. So the things that should be working automatically in my body, like controlling my heart rate and blood pressure and digestive system, that wasn't working. So my heart rate would be totally normal sitting down like this. And then I'd stand up and within 10 seconds, it would have gone from, say, 65 to 165, 185. And with that, your blood pressure drops. You therefore feel really, really, really faint can black out came with chronic fatigue um I spent again another two years on antibiotics I'd have to go into the hospital for antibiotic drips for secondary infections that were caused by the immune system not working properly I had chronic headaches I looked more pregnant then than I did when I was seven months pregnant with my girls Um, that's all inflammation inside right exactly and I just was basically a mess nothing was working so like what do you know what I mean obviously there's all the the testing and the the medical side of it but do you know what the sort of root cause was for you lifestyle wise was it stress what what was sort of going on for you it's so interesting and I've obviously spent so much time thinking about it they they have no idea technically what causes it um I did have tests afterwards that came up for example saying that I had had glandular fever But I'd never had any symptoms. So maybe, for example, it was a subclinical virus that triggered it in my body, but basically unclear. And I was put on all kinds of things like beta blockers, steroids, like a, a proper kind of spreadsheet of medication. And I took it all for a year and I literally basically didn't leave the house for the year. It was a kind of multitude of different things. A, the exhaustion and it's not dissimilar to what lots of people I think are experiencing with long COVID in terms yeah. of that that kind of narrative. And I think it's helpful probably to contextualise, I guess, what we're talking about. But it was a level of exhaustion where you literally don't feel like you can get to the toilet and back. And the dizziness obviously made that so much worse. And then I felt so kind of uncomfortable and embarrassed. I had so many stomach problems, I couldn't wear any kind of normal clothes. I literally looked like I was, as I said, seven months pregnant. And I didn't really know how to explain it to friends. You know, it's such a strange illness. And it's also minus the stomach thing, really quite invisible and not something people have heard of. And that really impacted my mental health because I didn't, 
I felt so uncomfortable identifying with it that I wouldn't identify with it, but I couldn't see myself as a kind of normal person. And I didn't want to let people see me, I guess, in such a vulnerable state that I effectively just closed myself off. And I, I didn't see any friends. I didn't talk to any friends. I didn't, I didn't really give them the chance to see if it would be helpful. And therefore I think I took on a lot of personal rejection. I didn't open up to them and therefore I felt they had slighted me, which in retrospect, definitely wasn't the case I didn't give them the opportunity but after about a year I hit such a rock bottom with physical health because I'd tried basically all the drugs that they at that point used for the illness all of which are repurposed some therefore are successful for some people and some aren't and I tried everything and I was probably only 10% better I mean I was a million miles off being able to live a normal life and be able to kind of have a job and and do a normal day-to-day functioning so that kind of catapulted the physical sense of a rock bottom because there was just this hopelessness of what what do I do next? I can't live with this chronic illness forever, but there's no clear trajectory out of it and no one had any answers. And then from a mental health perspective, I think I just just kind of gave in to the reality of what that was. And I just literally just didn't care. There was just a kind of complete numbness with it at that point. We often um, sort of forget that like it's not even a connection it is one thing like our mental and physical health and what's going on in our bodies is of course going to affect us mentally and vice versa you know I've had periods of immense mental stress and it's really come out physically with like back pain hip pain constipation headaches like it's all one thing and we often separate it and forget the two and just think this is a physical issue I will treat the physical aspect of it or this is a mental issue I'll just do mindfulness or whatever or take medication or whatever the route might be and that's why what you're doing today and the the sort of full-bodied look at at your brand is all-encompassing you're not going this is just and and that's also something I want to talk about in a minute with you is is how we sort of look at wellness but but first of all let's pick up from where we were so what was the catalyst for you to go, I'm going to change my diet. Let's see if this works. Because obviously you took a punt on that. You didn't know if it was going to be 100% the thing that helped heal you. What what made you choose that route? So it was, I tried to do something was basically where we got to. So it was about, yeah, almost a year later. And my boyfriend at the time, he was absolutely incredible. He couldn't have been nicer. He couldn't have been more supportive. But I think... I've never spoken to him about it, but I, I'm sure it was really difficult for him. And he was really quite long suffering, I think, in reality. And I think he, he, you know, he wanted to do something. So he said, let's go away. And I just thought, OK, let's, you know, let's try this. Like, I've lived no life now for like a year. Let's let's try it. And we tried to go away and we went. I don't really know why we chose there. And I think in retrospect, it probably wasn't the best option because yeah, anyway, but we went to Marrakesh and I got like lots of people can get some kind of tummy bug, but it just went so wrong. And I got so sick. I had to come home in a wheelchair. And that was, I was just, I was so embarrassed. I felt like such a failure. It was the first time I'd really tried to do something basically in a year. And I had come home in a wheelchair. I mean, it was just such a fail in that sense. And I realised at that point, like, what was my life? You know, I had no friends, Obviously, that wasn't going to be the most brilliant relationship. You know, it felt like I was going to live at home with my mum forever. I love my mum, but, I, I, you know, I didn't want to do that. I couldn't see how I could ever work. And I just realised, like, 
where is this going? And I think that really woke me up because actually having not really tried to do anything for a year, I wasn't failing because I was just lying in bed. So I was kind of failing to some extent in the sense I wasn't trying, but I wasn't having that acute reminder that I couldn't do anything because I wasn't trying to do it. And that's when I realised like, okay, I've got to do something and I've got to take this back to some extent into my hands because at the moment, and I just remember so vividly like being on the phone to the doctor and saying like, what else can we do? And him just being like, I don't have anything and just being in floods of tears. But I was putting it all on him and absolutely nothing whatsoever on me. And that was when I realised like, well, he doesn't have anything else for me. So I have nothing to lose, but for try and see if there's something that I can find. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And so plant-based felt like a sort of intuitive way to go and to look at what you were eating and and how that was affecting you how quickly did you sort of notice that your body started to to heal itself and that you were more mobile and you maybe even felt mentally better I say it was after a couple of months I would say that there was I felt a shift it wasn't and I think it's always so important because I think with this health and wellness space the science is so interesting and it's changing every day and I think it's becoming clearer and clearer that a kind of more natural, more holistic approach to our lifestyles can have a huge impact both on our physical and mental health, especially through the gut. But nothing's a magic bullet, like nothing changes it overnight. And there is no quick fix. And I definitely found that. And I'd say it was like, after about two, three months, I just felt something. The brain fog was just a little bit better. It was just a little bit less groggy, a little bit less pain. There just felt like there was this glimmer of something shifting and like a little bit of that heaviness lifting um but I think also actually my godmother um had had Emmy when she was a really similar age and I spoke to her about it and she said the thing that saved her was a hobby and for her that had been photography because that was a totally realistic hobby given the kind of constraints that she had by the illness And that's what inspired me to then actually start writing Delicious Yellow. So not just to do it for myself, but decide I'd learn kind of food photography and upload all the recipes and try new recipes and and put it all onto this website. And I think that was happening simultaneously. And I undoubtedly think that had a massive impact because instead of just sitting in bed all day watching the Kardashians and Grey's Anatomy and refreshing Facebook, I felt I had this slight sense of productivity and purpose and like yes in the grand scheme of things writing recipe is quite a small achievement for a day but it was something and it was the first time there had been something in a year and I think that gave me a boost definitely definitely as well. Mm, I think when it comes to looking at how we're mentally feeling um, having a purpose or a drive or something to look forward to when you get out of bed is just an absolute gift and it's so you know I I certainly have felt the same at points in my life where I've been really low but then knowing right come on get back to painting you love paint like that can be something that you really 
get up and, and want to work towards and you know it's something to show people afterwards and I think you know there's so much to be said for for that element you know not only you putting good food in you unprocessed you know bright colorful lovely food but also having that element of purpose is so important so let's talk about wellness because you know you you're definitely one of the front runners the pioneers especially of sort of plant-based eating in the UK you were definitely one of the first people I saw in the mainstream sort of talking about plant-based food and definitely one of my inspirations to to go vegan myself I've done it for nearly two years now and I'm so enjoying it my husband's joined me on the journey um, and also the happy pair who I absolutely love I've, I've always sort of loved watching what they're doing on Instagram and, and you guys have really made it look like it's totally doable which you know it has been but you know obviously things have changed massively from when you started with your blog and how things were well, massively snowballed for you into this amazing enterprise but also how we talk about wellness or well-being whatever you want to call it people will get annoyed whatever word you use but let's just call it wellness for the sake of today and there's so much goodness in it and there's so much we can all take from it and I think you and I both come from the same angle that We hope that what we're delivering is wellness that is accessible to everybody, is affordable or slash hopefully free a lot of the time as well with the concepts you're putting out there. But a lot of people still think it's not. They think, well, I, you know, lucky for you, you get to eat well or live a lovely life. You know, that's not for me. I can't afford to. But I think, you know, what you're doing, especially with recipes, it's probably going to be cheaper rather than you getting takeouts or ready meals or processed foods, which are usually more expensive than just buying fruit and vegetables and, you know, loose lentils or beans, whatever. And I think it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because I think the wellness industry or just wellness, I guess they're two separate things, gets a lot of shit because people sort of maybe don't even understand it properly still. I don't know. What what, what, what do you think about that? I, could, I honestly couldn't agree with you more. I mean, if I look back, so I started eating this way and living this kind of lifestyle in 2012. So really, really not that long ago, eight and a half years ago. And at that point, people thought I was insane. You know, yeah. I didn't know a single person who was vegan. I think I knew like one vegetarian, but it was a kind of shy vegetarian. The thought of vegetarian food was either accidental, like in Italy, you'll get, I know, like a just a tomato pasta or an arabiata delicious, or, you know, tomatoes and mozzarella, something like that. But it's kind of slightly accidental vegetarian to some extent, just happens to be. Or it was that kind of old school, like stuffed peppers and nut yeah. roast. Couscous everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Always (laughs) couscous. And people thought I was so strange and this was so weird and this was so kind of unfounded in evidence and what were you doing? And the rate of change in those eight years is extraordinary because it's now become really quite normal and the conversations are becoming really quite commonplace. And again, I think the science is now so much more readily available. And I think it's now again becoming much more commonplace to understand, for example, that the gut influences the brain. You know, 90% of the messages go from the gut to the brain. Only 10% go from the brain to the gut. And that the gut mm. is synthesizing and making vitamins. It's controlling so many of your enzymes, of your hormones. Like it's talking to every organ in your body. And then you start to think, okay, how do we look after the gut? Oh, it really needs a really fiber rich, really diverse diet with loads and loads of plants not so much processed food etc and then you know exercise has a big impact you know we were talking to this amazing leading professor in brain health who was saying you know meditation and yoga and mindfulness has now literally been shown on brain scans to make your brain glow like it creates new pathways in your brain 
it's unbelievable for your mental health. And again, your stress levels creating inflammation in the body and the inflammation in the body causing havoc. So I think we're just starting to understand that actually these kind of things that were seen as maybe a bit out there and a bit hippie and a bit strange to do actually scientifically make sense. And I think that's really helping. But I think the problem with wellness, and I totally agree with you on the wording, it is so hard to find the right word to use because I think wellness makes some people squirm. And I don't, I totally understand why, because I think it came from nowhere. Like I remember when our first book came out beginning of 2015, it just went from as though no one had ever spoken about this conversation to being this conversation, being the front page of every newspaper for a certain period of time. And it was so in people's face. And I think as with so much in the media, obviously something being a bit more out there or a bit more controversial makes more clickbaity headline, makes better, you know, reads and better statistics. And as a result, I think wellness became really synonymous with kind of, I guess, a slightly more wacky LA style, slightly more controversial way of talking because that's interesting like eat a carrot that's not interesting boring boring it's it's gonna do you good but this is the thing you know oh god there's so much to say i mean there's wellness is tricky because i think how it's been presented perhaps within the industry because it is a huge industry now is that wellness is for the well people that are already well that have the time and the energy to do whatever they can to be you know fully amazing and live their best life. Whereas to me, wellness should be for everybody, but more predominantly for people that don't feel well. You know, and you've come from a place of physically not being very well. I came from a place and starting this of being mentally not very well. So I think we both feel passionate about this is for people that don't feel, and maybe wellness feels like a triggering word because as soon as you hear it, you might go, oh God, I'm not well. I'm not well. This isn't for me. But it's got to be more of a remedy rather than a, this is for well people. Over here, you've got to buy yourself a amethyst tampon to be, you know, or whatever the hell it might be. I don't know. No, All but the gimmicky stuff. Exactly. And I think that's the thing. And also like when I started Delicious Yella, this was all I was doing. Now, you know, I've also got two babies and the business has got busier and busier and busier. And I also relate now more than ever to the fact that it has to be small and simple. And I think that's, that's the reality. And I would say firsthand that now I need the tools more than ever. As I said at the beginning, like I'd be a 14 out of 10 on the overwhelmed, anxious, stress, burnout scale, working at home with two tiny babies without these. And I can say that hand on heart, like I, I need meditation and mindfulness, but it's 10 minutes at 5.30 in the morning after my baby's woken me up. But that makes me such a better parent for sure, because it calms me down so much. But I think that's the challenge is that wellness came in out of nowhere, exploded and it exploded in like a sea of spirulina and chlorella and crystals. And and there's nothing wrong. I have no problem with any of this. I think it's really interesting to explore, explore lots of things myself. But I do think that there's this sense that like wellness means saunas and crystals and like moon rituals and things that just are so feel so so not tangible to someone who's busy working busy with family life whatever your commitments are and you've got 10 minutes and you're feeling burnt out and you're feeling tired and the idea of sitting down and like sprouting quinoa for 12 hours is just <laughs> yeah not gonna it's happen. never gonna happen <laughs> and it's never gonna happen for me either, and i'm sure it's never gonna happen for you no, but no. a stir fry is we can do it exactly and i think that's 
that's what matters to me is trying to like I guess trying to help reposition this as first of all I feel like the more repulsed you feel by it maybe it's because you need it I certainly feel that it's the times you feel you can't do it is when you need it the most oh my god down the amount of times my, my brother's really like he's total opposite of me he's like very clever and very quiet and very considered doesn't rush into things we're like polar opposites and he loves meditating and as far as I know I think he meditates most days um, but being as sort of considered as he is he doesn't need to like tell me the whole time like I need to tell him everything I'm doing and he says to me constantly you know have you been meditating and I'm like um yeah here and there and he and why have you not been well it's been really busy well you need it more than I do then you need to meditate if you're busy you need to meditate more than anyone and it's that that I always forget and I think you know the age I'm at now I'm sort of realizing wellness to me is well obviously the basics feeling physically and mentally stable and reducing stress and all of the ways that I find reducing stress and and sort of techniques of well-being to be the most productive and impactful are free like walking and running and breathing like thinking oh god am I breathing because I always hold my breath when I'm stressed out and eating like you say like basic stuff and vegetables and you know I wanted to talk about your last book because um well it's called quick and easy which is exactly what it is I actually had last night I made the chickpea fritters which were phenomenal me my husband and my stepdaughter loved them oh I'm um, so glad oh so deli- I mean everything in it's delicious but it feels like in that book not only do you really like dig into the whole well-being thing and talk about this subject brilliantly but it's also a very personal book you know you really go there and you really talk about stuff that is deeply personal and you're 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 very honest in the book about the fact that this isn't always a sort of a linear ascent to like wellness and then I am this brilliant shiny well person and that there are always going to be in life peaks and troughs and in 2017 you know you guys had a, a really stressful time what what was going on that year yeah no I completely agree and for me being honest is is so important I mean I'm a deeply flawed person as obviously we we all, we all are, are to some extent but I and I certainly think if I've learned one thing it's that happiness wellness well-being physically and mentally is such a squiggly path and I for me certainly it's something that I have to work on every day and in doing that it's become a little bit easier definitely most days you know if I take the last 10 years it's infinitely easier now than it was then because the tools become more natural and more innate in you but it's definitely not like do yoga and you're done you got to keep doing the yoga or keep doing the walking or keep doing the running or keep doing the knitting, the baking, whatever it is for you. So I think that's the first thing to say. But yeah, and and I think it's, again, it's just that example of the fact that you, you never know what's coming in life. And obviously, we've seen that this year, but therefore that for me, these tools become more important than ever to help you deal with things. So 2000, I mean, we, so Matt and I have been married now. It's actually our five year wedding anniversary in three weeks. And we've been together just just over that and we've had in the last five and a half years um two days after we got engaged my parents began a very very difficult quite traumatic divorce lots of revelations um my dad is now married and very happy but he's now gay just a lot lot of changes in our life but they're both now really happy which is a good lesson in what time does so it was a lot to process there for for both my parents and our family and then as that started to kind of normalize a little bit you know I hadn't seen my dad until like 
two weeks or so before our wedding and you know it was, it was complicated and then shortly after that the business kind of really ramped up and the reality of anyone who's been involved in a startup business knows that it's like 29 hours a day and it's so stressful and you have moments where you constantly think we're going to go bust we've run out of money and one thing doesn't quite come through in time and you suddenly literally don't have enough money to keep the lights on and, and we were going through that stage and it was just as busy and stressful as it it could really ever be and we were just recovering from that and a week later my mother-in-law had a big seizure and she was then rushed to hospital and she was then diagnosed with a terminal brain tumour and she passed away 11 months later. Then, yeah, and then actually a few months later, we got pregnant with Sky and then Sky was born and then six months later, the pandemic happened. So it's been a, <laughs> it's been a really busy, uh, busy, busy, busy time to say the least. And we have gone, yeah, definitely through our ups and downs. And I've, I've always felt so important to be honest about that because I think a lot of what you see perhaps about me or about our brand is through a platform like Instagram, which just doesn't lend itself brilliantly to these sorts of conversations. There's well, just, no, you no. can't have a level of depth. And I, no. and I also often say to people, like so often when you don't see something on a platform like that, it's because it's neither maybe the place nor the time to talk about it. You know, it's not my place to go on and say like, actually I'm having a terrible week because my parents are getting divorced or, you know, because we're dealing with this truth or that truth, or, you know, this has just happened in Matt's family. It's it's not my, it's not my place to say that. It's not my news at that point And it's not my story to tell. And I think, I think we'd see that across everybody's life on social media. And that's one of the challenges. And I think what's nice about a platform like this and what I've enjoyed in the books is that you do have a bit more space to have a much more, detailed conversation because you're able to add more depth and more context to things which I I think is really refreshing. I absolutely agree and I've been questioned previously about you know why didn't I talk about you know feeling depressed at the time on social media and I just think sometimes it's just too jarring I can't go on Instagram in that state in the first place and certainly for everything that you and your family and husband were going through it's too heavy it's too heavy and nor should you feel obliged to you know we all have to process what's going on in our personal lives in our own time and in our chosen way and and there should never be any pressure to to even talk about it if you didn't want to do you know what I mean like I think it's the, the lines are so blurry these days because we think that we have to know everything about everybody and we think we do know everybody. There are so many assumptions made about what somebody's life looks like and it might relate to 1% of a story. And, you know, I think we all have to watch that in terms of how we compare ourselves to others, but also in the position that you're in and similarly to me, where people make assumptions about you and your life, it, it can feel quite painful. And I don't know, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with people assuming that you've got it all sorted, you're young, you're gorgeous, you've got this successful brand? You know, does that impact you or bother you at all? Yeah, it definitely has at moments. I mean, I will never, ever forget, actually. It was a week or so after Tessa, my mother-in-law, had been diagnosed and she was in hospital And my husband stayed with her that night and it was the night before her operation to try and resect as much of the tumour as they could. And it was actually then my birthday the next day and it had also just 
happened to be the terrorist attack in Borough Market, which is where my dad lived and my brother and his wife, actually she wasn't his wife at that point, but fiance lived at the time with my dad's now husband as well. And that's where I'd grown up. We'd lived there for 18 years and they'd like blown in the door to go through everywhere. And, you know, that was a road that, you know, I lived there for years and years and years. And we have walked down that road every single day at that time. You know, that's literally where I grew up. That's my street. And so that was really, that obviously really shook us all. And then also was really terrifying, particularly for my brother and my dad who who lived on that street. And then there was this article in the Daily Mail because someone put up a picture on Instagram who worked with us at the time being like, oh, happy birthday, Ella. And it was a picture of a wedding cake. Oh, it was our wedding cake and it had some flowers on it. And someone did this whole thing and it got in the Daily Mail or some Twitter thing about how I tried to poison my wedding guests by putting poisonous flowers on my cake because I really are just that dumb. And I just remember lying there and I was just, it felt like, oh, and then we also tried to move into our new house and found a colony of rats. So we had to move out of our house, which was where I was at my mum's because there was literally a colony of rats, like 20 to 30 rats in our house. And our dog had tried to eat the rat poison and nearly died. I mean, it was just like, you can't have a worse couple of weeks of your life. It, it was almost funny. It was just that bad. And there I was reading this. And I was just thinking, like, why do I do this? Like, why do I do what I do? Like, I can't hold all the pain that my husband and his family are going through, all the worry about his mum, about kind of my childhood home and my family being so close to such a traumatising event that was so traumatising for the whole city of London and the poor victims of the attack. And then, you know, as I said, you've got a colony of rats and then that nearly kills your dog on your kind of slightly more trivial, but not that trivial basis because who wants a colony of rats in their house? And you also then have nowhere to live. So I'm living in my sister's bedroom at my mum's because I don't have a bedroom there anymore because they've just got divorced and sold our childhood home. So it's just one of those times. And you just think why do I put myself out there? I'm not that dumb. It's also a year later. My wedding guests are fine. It's only the stems that are poisonous. There were no stems anywhere near the cake. I, you know, I'm I'm really not that stupid. Like, well, you're not to stupid To try and kill my you, friends you, and family. No. And also, it's a year not. later, a everyone's still standing. Um, <sighs> and it was just one of those moments where you think, like, why do people take such joy in ripping people apart? Like, what what did you gain from this? And that's obviously, that is the most extreme moment. But I have had times like that where I just think, like, why why do I do what I do? What stops you from quitting? Because I've had that, oh God, I mean, I've probably said that to my husband once every couple of months over the last 10 years. That's it, I'm done. Yeah. I'm not doing this anymore. I can't handle it. It's too much pressure. Everyone's saying this about me and it's not, or whatever it might be. What's What's the thing that stops you from quitting? Yeah, I've said it a few times. I remember the last time I really thought about doing it was when there was a journalist that wrote a whole piece about how I was identical to Donald Trump. And again, I just thought, like, honestly, I just, I can't take it. God, that must have been a boring day at his work that day. (laughs) It was a woman, interestingly. All the really mean stuff is written by women. She also wrote a really scathing piece because she was pregnant at a similar time about how awful it was that I was doing yoga and things while I was pregnant. I was like, it just makes my body feel better being pregnant's quite uncomfy at times there's a lot worse things you can do than yoga when you're pregnant so, that well way. that was slightly my point but anyway and I do just you just have moments where you just think honestly like 
I don't mind people having a problem with what we do or having a conversation about that, like about whether or not veganism is a good idea. That's a great question. Let's talk about that. But it's the really totally unnecessary random personal attacks that I definitely used to really struggle with. I think the thing that stops me, honestly, and I, I really don't mean this in like a really cheesy way, but it is this completely changed my life and it completely regained a sense of health that I just never thought I could have. And now obviously that's become such a personal passion. And the more I've learned about it and the more I've read and the more I've studied and the more professors and researchers and scientists I've spoken to, the clearer it is to me that this works. And obviously it's not a magic answer. It doesn't always work for everyone. It takes different periods of time. But ultimately the science is so clear that managing stress levels, trying to get enough sleep, taking care of your body, you know, exercising, eating well, like it is scientifically proven to have a massive impact on our health. And we do have such a fundamental health crisis in our country, but across so much of the world these days, and especially in the Western world where lifestyle related diseases, you know, they're not only costing the NHS tens of billions at a time when the NHS is in such a difficult place, but they're also really making people miserable and they're causing such stress and anxiety into our lives. And I feel so passionately that we could mitigate some of that and we could make some of that better and we need to change elements of our lifestyle. And that's only going to happen if the information feels vaguely accessible, vaguely doable, vaguely fun. And that's, that's to me is why I do it. And then you get a message from someone who says, you know, it changed my life. I feel like a different person. And I just think, well, what am I going to do? I got to keep doing it. Like it's not about, and I know it sounds silly and I know it might sound disingenuous, but at that point I genuinely feel like it's not about me. The thing, the, the conversation is so much bigger than me. And if it takes someone thinking I'm like Donald Trump, okay, you know, actually. And I think becoming a mum has really helped with that because at the end of the day, I think I care a lot less now about that because I feel probably more secure in who I am because I've got such a secure life at home and I think that allows me to take more I guess to put myself out there more because I'm not so scared of the knocks because I've got a safer landing and I think when I started Delicious Yell I was so young and I'm still figuring out so much of my life and I think you know as we said it's we've had so many amazing moments over the last six years or so together and doing Delicious Yellow, but they've also you know personally been some really difficult times and I feel like as we've got onto a more even keel at least for now, on a personal level, I feel that's allowed a greater sense of kind of going with whatever comes. And I think also my eyes are open to it. Whereas when we first started, I was, I guess, probably naively quite shocked at the levels to which people want to go. Yeah, and they do. And I think it's probably only getting worse because of, you know, not only how we think that we know everything about everybody due to social media, but also because we can, anyone can be a critic now. You know, it's not just like when I was growing up on TV, I had some seriously nasty critics say some awful things about me, you know, sort of wishing me dead and stuff. And I was a young girl who, you know, was absolutely naive and you know, probably with not anywhere near as the amount of resilience that I've got now from the stuff that I've sort of been through. Like at the start of you talking about this, you know, why does someone feel the need to do that, to write an article like they did about you or me or who or whoever? 
aren't there bigger, better things going on that we could talk about in the world? Aren't there more important things? And I'm so glad that you're, you know, you're where you're at today, where you feel that strength and that robustness to go, whatever, I've got my kids, I've got my husband, we're sticking together, we're doing our thing, we've been through so much shit together. We are now going to continue with this mission of doing something that not only you love, that is affecting loads of other people. And I think, you know, that is so powerful and amazing. And, you know, I, I feel it too. I feel so bloody lucky every time if I walk down the street and someone comes up to me and they've read a book or listened to the podcast or whatever, and it's helped them in a tiny way or made made them smile wicked I'm gonna keep on doing it because the people writing all those articles like that's not game changing to anyone no one's going oh my god that article changed my life or it was slagging Fern or Ella or whoever off do you know what I mean so I just think you've just got to keep we've all just got to keep on trucking and doing what we love and and doing our thing and you know sod the naysayers they just need to all sod off um Let's quickly talk about some vegan myths. For anybody listening to this, because I'd miss a trick if I didn't do this towards the end. If people are listening to this thinking, you know, much like I did, following your work for so long, like, oh, I really, I've been vegetarian since I was a kid, but I just felt that was such a jump to go headfirst into veganism. And I really had to let go of eggs. That was the one thing that I was like, oh my God, goodbye eggs. But now I don't even think about it. Let's let's just bust a couple of myths before we wrap up. So the myth that vegans can't get enough protein. I think the protein one's one thing that I find the most fascinating. Yeah. Because protein is so abundant in the Western world, particularly. Like protein deficiency is just not something that you tend to see very often. Like it's really quite rare just because it really is actually quite abundant and it's not that difficult to get. And I always found it fascinating when I changed my diet that people would always be like, oh, how do you get protein? But you'd never say to like a very carnivorous person who doesn't really eat any fresh fruit or vegetable, like, oh, how do you get your vitamin K? <laughs> yeah. You know, or, some, or like your folate. Where do you get folate from? Yeah, yeah. You know, you'd never ask them those sorts of things. So that always fascinated me because just because it's different. So I get totally get that there are other questions, but it feels like you, got, you can never flip it. But protein is, yeah, as I said, it's, it's quite easy. The only thing to kind of be aware of is a bit of protein combining because there are nine different amino acids and to get all nine in vegan food you do normally want to mix grains and beans so like having rice and peas obviously that's such a traditional combo or like peanut butter and wholemeal bread so it's not it's not difficult in that sense but I think it's just something to be aware of just over the course of the day but things like quinoa all your nut butters peanut butter all your nuts all the seeds tofu tempeh seitan peas edamame tofu those are kind of the easiest sources and obviously sorry all your lentils chickpeas butter beans cannellini beans hummuses tahini etc so and then just like easy things you can sprinkle on top like hemp seeds for example or chia seeds so what about iron how about a lot of people have said to me oh god you worried about not getting enough iron and again i eat a ton of leafy green stuff so i don't worry about it but what are your thoughts on that yeah, it's the same. And I remember when I got pregnant, actually, with Sky, because I got pregnant, we were like, oh, let's see if we get pregnant. We'll see what happens. And then we were pregnant literally three days later. And I was like, oh, my God, I haven't prepped for this. <laughs> and so I went actually and got a full blood work done, which is the first time I'd done it in ages and was, again, really good iron count. And I think it is. It's all the greens. But I think 
It's the same with anything, which is that ultimately to get everything you need, iron, calcium, all the macronutrients as well as the micronutrients, you just need to eat a variety of foods. And that's the same whether you're eating a vegan diet, vegetarian diet, pescatarian diet, carnivorous diet, like it doesn't matter. You just need to be eating to actually get what you need. You just need to be eating a diverse range of foods. Like the advice now from research, again, from gut health is that you should be having at least 30 different plant-based foods a week. Mm. And actually, if you start tallying it up, it becomes quite easy once it becomes your norm. But that just means like swapping and no one nut for another. So instead of always having peanut butter, like try cashew butter or almond butter, or instead of always having broccoli, try courgettes or asparagus instead of spinach try kale chard whatever it is but it just just to be aware of and if you're vaguely doing that then you're going to meet all your needs well this is exactly you know i think i was going to kind of another one that i get asked occasionally is you know how do you have a balanced diet but you've just perfectly answered that and it doesn't matter what kind of foods you like eating or you know i hate using the word diet but you know what sort of way of eating you enjoy because it is just about varying your diet and eating lots of you know like you've just said color and 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 varying things and trying new stuff and 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 that you know answers it perfectly diet's such a complicated word isn't oh. it? it's just like the word wellness because where you're using it there is like in a very like uncontentious like what is on your plate but people will um, jump on that shit i know it's such a hard word to use i know but we need to we need to we need to cl- claim these words back let's talk about diet in the truest sense which is looking at the food that you're eating and the same with wellness you know feeling well i think we need to sort of like reclaim all this stuff and not make it so awful for people um thank you so much i love talking to you today and i hope i get to see you in the flesh soon absolute pleasure Oh, Ella, thank you so much. It was so lovely to catch up with Ella and find out about the absolute powerhouse of a woman that she is and all those experiences that have made her the person she is today. Thank you so much for your time, Ella. You can always share your own experiences and thoughts with us on Instagram. At Happy Place Official is where to go. We love hearing from you. We absolutely love hearing your stories of resilience and and what you've got from those episodes as well. And of course, there'll be another remarkable person right here next Monday. So hit that subscribe button on your podcast app if you haven't already. A massive thanks again to Ella, to the producer Anushka Tate at Rethink Audio and to you for listening. I love you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll see you soon. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.